0: the podcast appetite for distortion episode 249 it is brando and if you're watching on zoom another zoom uh, episode you can watch on on youtube something i've learned to do in, in quarantine as we're all video chatting no matter where in the world that we are so if you're watching i have two guests today uh, one i guess i want to introduce quickly because if you, you might have clicked on this episode because of Mo berg so Mo. Thank you for for joining me uh, today. So I'm excited to talk to you.
1: Yeah, great to be here, Brandon.
0: And also, because what I like to do, when I announced that you were coming on, and I announced it with a a 1989 picture, uh, a famous picture of you and Axl Rose. You know, it's a Guns N' Roses podcast, of course. And I was really blown away with the amount of comments of people that are like, whoa, Mo Berg, he's on Twitter. I I love the pursuit of happiness, reminds me of my youth, and I'm an adult now, comments, all this. And one of the people that commented, and I said, I promised that I was going to do this, uh, was Blanca, uh, a, a follower, a new uh, a follower of my podcast, said, OMG, Mo Berg. I still listen to TPOH, as all the cool kids uh, say, the pursuit of happiness, the music of my misspent youth. So I invited mm-hmm. Blanca to come on and Mo, you are cool. happy. So welcome, yeah. Blanca. Welcome, Mo, to Appetite for Distortion to talk about to happiness and in GNR we're going to have some fun. Cool, that sounds great. Welcome, Blanca.
2: Thank you. Nice to meet you, Mo.
0: Me too. And Blanca, you're in Edmonton right now.
2: I am in Edmonton, yes, and we are just coming out of a huge deep freeze. It has been so cold out here, so I've been listening to Edmonton Block Heater a lot because I just feel it's so appropriate for that weather.
0: <laughs> awesome. Yeah. My hometown. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well,
0: I yeah. want to get. I want to get into that. Well. One, this is the truth. I've I, I want to visit Edmonton when it's appropriate. I've been to a part. I've been to Quebec. I've been to Montreal. I've been to Ottawa a bunch of times. But I, I hear so much about the beauty of Western Canada. So I want to go to Vancouver. I want to go to Edmonton when it's whenever it's appropriate. But right now, look outside right. my window in Queens. I, I guess it looks like Canada because <laughs> it's it's snowing. Uh, it's right. snowing up here. Uh, Mo, I know you're uh, originally from Edmonton. Yeah. But I'm, I guess I'm a little confused because you, you appreciate my Toronto Raptors T-shirt that I'm wearing. Right. Which is genuine, by the way. I may be a poser with some things, but this is – I can't show it to the camera, but this is 1994. Cool. When they, came, when they came out. That's dope. That's awesome. I don't know how sad it is that it still fits me. <laughs> That's Whatever. Uh, but you have a Chicago Blackhawks jersey behind you.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I sort of grew up as a lifelong Chicago Blackhawks fan, which was, up until 2010 was a very miserable experience. But anyhow, it's kind of like one of those things. Why do people like the teams I like? It's like I, my brother, my older brother, we well, lived in Edmonton, but my older brother was a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. And I would turn on the hockey game and Toronto's playing Chicago Blackhawks. And I'm like a little kid, four years old. And I just I don't know if it was the uniforms or what it was. And it just like I said, I think I like that team. And then it just stuck with me my whole life.
0: So. Well, that's awesome. Because uh, my my fiance, who I want to travel with uh, to Western Canada, she's from Chicago, and uh, just as me as a old school jersey and, and logo collector, you know, obviously by the this old school, original Toronto Raptors t shirt, I have Blackhawks jerseys uh, in my room. I I, I came prepared for you, Mo. Cool, yeah. just let you know I wanted to, to to dress the part. Uh, So thanks for coming on, and I love maybe the best place to start is your. Your Twitter profile—it <laughs> made me laugh. Uh, when it says, "I was a rock star, now I'm a producer." So it, you have a sense of humor, which obviously uh, came out when with your your hit single, which broke you guys. I'm an adult now, so can you kind of catch us up on what you've been doing lately? What's going on with uh, with Moberg? How has the pandemic, uh, 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 you know, affected what you're doing? Um, how are you? To sum it up.
1: (laughs) I mean, you know, I'm hanging in there just like everybody else. Um and yeah, I mean since since the band kind of slowed down, I that's I've been focusing mainly on on music production, producing Artists and um, and then I actually have been teaching it as well, teaching music production at a college here in Ontario, and so yeah, that's those are the kinds of things that keep me you know busy. I still the pursuit of happiness. Uh, our first record, Love Junk, was recently re released as a deluxe edition by Universal Records, and so we went out and played some shows on that. I've also got another group that I play infrequently with called the Trans Canada Highwaymen, with uh, Stephen Page, who used to be in the Bare Naked Ladies, and Craig uh, Nordy. Craig Northley from uh, odds and uh, Chris Murphy from Sloan. And so we go and play like we're a band. We actually play as a band. We don't just sit on stools with acoustic guitars. Like we all play drums. We all play bass. We all play guitars. And so we play each other's songs. And so we do that sometimes too. So yeah, I got enough to keep me busy. It sounds like it.
0: It sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. And, and, and what's interesting. and I don't know. I can blame the, uh, cause I'm a New York guy. I can blame the American school system for a lot of things, I guess, but there, there's also uh, american radio I, I, I guess and there's something cuz i i love the fact that i have a, a big listenership in canada it's just i don't know how it happened i mean obviously it starts with guns N roses and roses they have fans around the world but they have to become fans of this podcast as well which, as well which i'm really appreciative but i i had to go and research more you know i feel like you are a canadian legend and i it just as an american who grew up listening to rock radio it's like i i I feel like I missed out. I feel okay. like I, you know, I don't know if, if anyone has said that to you. I'm watching and I'm an adult now, like the first time, uh-huh. you know, as an adult. You know, uh, before I even ask, because you probably get asked all the time, as a feel to sing, like I'm an adult now when you're older. But have you ever gotten that? Because you, again, I look at all you're you're a legend up there. That's why Blanca came on. She's like, uh-huh. oh my god, a legend. Yeah. My Twitter and Facebook, I, you know, everyone, people come out of the woodworks. So I'm like. Why? why? Why did that transition to the States and never come about?
1: yeah yeah i mean i mean our story is a story that you could get another 100 bands on here to tell you this exact same story but so i mean we we kind of were you know just like a kind of an alternative music band for lack of a better word just playing around clubs in toronto and we made some demos and we i had a friend named nelu giran who shot and he said well let's shoot a video for one of these songs we just randomly picked one it was i'm an adult now so we shot a video for it and and uh and you know we we're just still kind of a struggling band, and so we put it on Much Music. We sorry, we gave it to Much Music, which was sort of like the MTV of Canada. Right. And so anyway, they started playing the crap out of it. So we went from like nothing to like now everybody in the in Canada is really interested in us, and everybody wants to be our manager and all the record companies want to sign us. And and then suddenly that all just kind of. Cross the border and all of a sudden we started getting american record company people showing up at our ship our shows okay. and stuff and and so yeah i kind of just all caught fire and you know anybody in the music business will tell you like when things are going good and everything's kind of going good so anyway you know long story short we ended up signing with chrysalis uh you know, Chrysalis Records, which is, you know, was a big label, a British label, and we signed out of their New York office. And we had great A&R person, Kate Hyman, great people at the company, Mike Bone was the president, and everybody there was kind of behind us. And, and Daniel Glass was doing radio, all these kind of big people who are big in the industry now. And, um, and so, you know, we, we got, we, Todd Rundgren produced our record, and he was like my hero. And so, you know, it was a super cool time. And, And so I'm an adult now came out and MTV started playing the video and, you know, all the, like a lot, a lot of the big, like in big cities, it was getting a lot of airplay, like, you know, K-Rock in Los Angeles, you um, you know, Boston, Chicago, Atlanta, all these things. So the record started to just kind of blow up on the alternative music charts and on the rock charts. And so we went out and we started touring and we, we, um. We, uh, you know, we, we opened, we did a big American tour opening for Duran Duran and, and it was cool because uh, all the people, there were kids and all the kids watched MTV. So they all seen the video for I'm an Adult now. And so we got in great reception every night and, you know, everything was going great. And, you know, we did a big long club tour and, and that was all great. And we went to Europe and, and just, you know, um, and then, um, you know, and then we went to do our second record, did the second record with Todd Rundgren. And then, We had all these allies. Everybody at the record company was solidly behind the band. And then the whole record company just blew up. And there was a whole new bunch of people. Mm. And what you you may or may not know about the music business is that, is that that's how the way record companies work is that they have an attachment to band. Like, and so I signed a band. So they're my responsibility to to make sure that happens. And so all these new people had other bands that were their bands. And we were somebody else's band that used to work at the record company. That's not there anymore. And so you're kind of like the, then you know the friend who keeps coming over and is hanging around the house all the time and everybody wishes would go home and so we put out our second record and you know it, it, it the, the thing is we put our second record and it was kind of did okay and fine and everything but it didn't do what our first record did but ironically our tour was massive because we built we you know killed ourselves touring on the love drunk record and and built up this huge fan base of for, for our live show and so we went out and did this and so we're in for us we're going up and playing these big shows every night. We're playing like, you know, all across America, all across Canada, going to Australia. And we're thinking everything's great. But in reality, no one at the record company gives a crap about us. Um, and so then so that was kind of us. And, and then so we somehow got ourselves extricated from the label. And Mike Bone, who is the president of Chrysalis, who is one of the guys that signed us, ended up at Mercury Records. And so now so he said, come to Mercury Records. I'll sign you right now. And so it seemed like three days later, we were on Mercury Records. It's like, this is great. And so now we're on Mercury Records, which is a huge label, you know, and they're right. doing really well. They got Bon Jovi and all these Kiss and all these bands that are doing it. First thing we did when we got there, say, hey, can we do anything for you guys? I say, yeah, we want the entire Kiss catalog on CD. That was the first thing we asked for when we got signed to Mercury. <laughs> anyway, so, um, so anyway, so, so we go to Mercury and we start talking about, you know, what we're going to do there. And then Mike Bone gets fired. So now we're in the exact same position we were at. <sighs> Over at Chrysalis, and we're just kind of like, you know, floundering. And it would seem like it was a very cloudy day for about three months. And then, um, and then, you know, they said, okay, we'll do a record. We'll, you know, we'll still do a record with you guys. And then we start talking to producers about who produce it. And everybody wanted to produce our record. And so like Eddie Kramer called and he wanted to produce Mm. a record and Butch Vigged, we talked to Butch Vig about producing and Butch Vig had just done Nevermind at the time. And 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 Mike Clink, we talked to Mike Clink, and that's a whole other story that we can get into. Okay. Um, and so all the and so then Mercury's like holy crap like everybody all the cool kids want to dance with the pursuit of happiness maybe we should you know give them another look anyway but anyway they weren't behind us and you know it just didn't work out and you know we again we were able to keep our thing going in Canada and Australia and we had our places in, in the U.S. like we could always go to Chicago and have a great show or Boston mm-hmm. or L.A. or places like that and Atlanta and so that was kind of how it all went
0: oh when is your book coming out that's that's maybe my next <laughs> yeah, question yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh wow. I mean, you're right that is a a story that I've heard before and it's a shame, but it's maybe it's a shame because we've also talked about like how do you define success or happiness? I mean, you are doing so well and I just said all the uh the love that came out just from my listeners uh about you. So obviously you're you're still uh, you know, you, you don't have a lot to you don't have anything to prove, I guess. Uh, yeah,
1: you know, and we, it, you gotta, it, it's a, definitely a glass half full, half empty. I mean, we got to do it. Like I had the time of my life, like it was insane. I met so many of my heroes and, and, you know, we played night after night and we had tons of fans who, you know, would come out to the shows and, and still, even when we go out and play now, we go and do play shows, we did some shows to support this re-release of Love Junk and, and you know, fans are there and they're, it's, it's awesome. So I, you know, I think of how many of my friends, you know, growing up in the music scene, how many of them never got a chance to do anything. You know, they didn't ever get a chance to play it for like twenty people. And so, man, you know, we had
0: a great run. It was awesome. <laughs> right on. And and Blanca, I want to know where in that run you came in. Because you just you were, you know Oh you just, right in high school? Start. Like what?
2: Yeah, in high school. I mean, um you guys came out what, eight eighty seven, I think.
1: That was probably when our indie our indie version of I'm an Adult Now came out. Yeah, yeah.
2: So I remember when that came out in 87, I was just in high school or just graduating. And I mean, it was just a, its such an appropriate song for that time because you're just transitioning to an adult. And so you could relate to everything. And the music was so catchy. And it, I, it was just great. Like everybody I knew loved the song.
0: I love that you you mentioned that you still listen today. I
2: still listen. I still listen. Love Junk is one of my top 10 favorite albums ever.
0: Oh, wow. That's
1: so cool. Thank you. <laughs>
0: So I, I guess we got to see you all, all along your path where you intersect and you talked about meeting people and Mike Klink who of course uh, produced Appetite for Destruction. So the picture, well, I actually, before I, I forget, cause I want to give credit everywhere. Uh, Alex uh, Anderson, he was the one that suggested uh, I reached out to you. Actually, he's from uh Moorhead, Minnesota, which is basically like the Canada of the United States anyway. <laughs> right. So, uh, so thank you, Alex. Uh, for that and uh, also going to give a shout out to David Holmes said the first uh, LP is, uh, is fantastic and I'm going to see if I can find it because somebody said they remember exactly when in Billboard the picture there it is from EMT headed on Twitter it was a picture of you and, and Axel Rose and I'm wondering if you can kind of guess like where was that a little bit about that story about meeting him was it a quick picture Did you, you know anything come out of that because uh, yeah. actually before you Respond. Sorry to cut you off. Alex said, um, I want to, I guess I don't want to give him credit. And I do hear rumblings that Mo and Axel still have contact, but nothing verified. And uh, Axel was a huge fan of The Pursuit of Happiness. So sorry. There you go, Uh Mo. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. How that
1: picture happened, that picture is kind of legendary. It's funny uh, because um, we were on the road, we were touring, we're opening for Duran Duran. And so we—that was in the, uh, this picture got taken in LA backstage at the Universal Amphitheater. That's where we uh, played the show with them. Um, I guess that's what it's called there, yeah. And so anyway, so so uh, we were there, and 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 so, I mean we were already fans of 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 um, of, of uh, Guns N' Roses because um, we, we we I mean we, you know when we were we, you know getting started we'd be traveling around with band we were always looking for music to listen to and you know and so our bass player uh, Johnny Sinclair, his sister Sherry gave us a tape one day and on one side was like this red hot chili peppers record another side was appetite for destruction and they just come out like i think it, she was working a record store it come out the day before and so like you know someone like yourself knows that that was a, it was a slow burn that record was not an overnight success right mm-hmm. so anyway so we'd never heard of this it was a brand new record by a band that we'd never really heard of and so you know we put it on the in the car and it's like holy smokes this is awesome you know and and you know, the music we listened to in the car wasn't like, you know, we, we weren't listening to, and I, I'm not categorizing Guns N' Roses as this, but like sort of hair metal, that kind of glammy metal. We wouldn't, that wouldn't be something we'd typically listen to. Um, but this was so different from any of that stuff. This wasn't like Warrant or Poison or any of that. It was like, it was more like a punk record. For me, And I grew up in the punk era. That was my starting out. It was, it was in punk in Edmonton and punk bands in Edmonton. And so to me, like I, it, it sounded, and some, people might kill me for saying this, but to me, that record sounded to me like if the New York Dolls had kept going and hadn't so many drug problems and got better as a band and kept making records that eventually that would have been the record they would have made is mm. Appetite for Destruction because it has that same abandon and just wildness to it. And, you know, and again, it has a lot of similarities to a record like, you know, nevermind the bollocks, you know, the, the, the way the endings happen is just kind of those, you know, the way, you know, out oh, to get me ends. It's kind of like, you know, when, you know, Johnny Rotten would say goodbye A&M at the end of a Obviously, you know, Guns N' Roses had listened to Sex Pistols. I mean, it's clear they listen to a lot of punk rock, you know, when, when you hear the spaghetti incident. Right, like that, right. blistering version of New Rose and that kind of thing. So, yeah, so we, so... um Anyway, so so we were aware of the band, and so, you know, time went by, and we got a record deal, and we were on the road, and Guns N' Roses started to get a little more popular, and, you know, it kind of happened brick by brick with those guys, if I remember correctly, and then, some, you know, then they were getting, kind of getting to the point where it looked like it was going to blow up, and so, anyway, Axel was backstage, and I know I wouldn't have gone up to him, but I think his manager said, you know, Axel would like to meet you. Mo? And I said, okay, cool. And so I went and I said hello to him. And if I had to describe a word to, if I had to describe him in one word, it would have been sweet. I mean, he was just the sweetest guy, like, and he was, he was kind of shy, and he was, like, mm. he was like, he's like, and he was saying, I didn't expect you to be shy, like, I, you know, I see you on screen, you don't seem shy, and, you know, and he, he, you know he said he really liked I'm an adult now, and he liked our record, and, you know, and he was just like the nicest guy, and it was just like two guys who were in bands talking, it wasn't like, I'm about to become the biggest rock star on the planet talking to like a guy who was in a band just starting out. it was like, it was a really nice conversation between. And then, so someone said, Hey, let's get a picture. I think it was somebody like, um, I don't know if it was just like a paparazzi or if it was someone who actually worked for Rolling Stone, but anyway, so, and we have this picture and the funniest thing about the picture that people always comment on is that Axel's kind of leaning into me when we <laughs> put the picture, it's almost like he's, I want to get my picture taken with Moe. I mean, that's not what that, <laughs> how does that look. And I always just kind of joke around about that. And, um, uh, and so that was it. And so in any way it ends up in like next week, the next week it's in Rolling Stone magazine. And then it was in every magazine. Like every magazine mm. had that picture. It's so like I couldn't go anywhere without seeing that picture of me and Axel. And then we, after that, we went on tour to um, into Europe, and we were doing all these big stadium shows opening for the Eurythmics. And okay. literally every country we went to, I picked up their music magazine, and I can't read a word of it, but. There's the picture of me and Axel Rose, and it's just like there's that picture. I have no other picture of myself that is that ubiquitous as that picture. And then it feels like every two years, I like open up a social media thing, and there's a picture of me. Somebody's just decided to post that picture of me and Axel <laughs> Rose again, and it's like so. So anyway, that was it. And and, I, I, and and as an answer to the person who who asked the question, no, I did not keep up with with Axel. Um, Again, I mean, they blew up. I mean, they were, they were so big. I mean, we all know this. And so it wasn't like, you know, I was a guy he met at a show and you meet people at shows and that's cool. Yeah. And, and the funny thing, this, you may or may not find this funny, but I, about three <laughs> I years later, late. we were, a few years later, we were in Los Angeles recording a record. And, uh, we recorded like, for, we were in Los Angeles for about three months recording this record with a guy named Ed Stasium. And he, um, and so he, uh, we were in a, a tower, records of the video tower video it used to be a tower video. We used to rent videos. Some people may not have any concept of that. <laughs> but, uh, so anyway, we're in there and I, and I, I'm, you know, we're getting a video and I look and I see Axel there with Stephanie Seymour. And I'm like, holy Schmidt, there's, there's Axel. And I was like, maybe I should go up and talk to him. I like, could say hi and see if he remembers, you know, meeting me and remembers to the pursuit of happiness and all that. And, but I'm kind of shy that way. And I, I sort of very respectful of people who are celebrities. I try not to like get in people's faces. And, and I was thinking so many stories had gotten out in that time about Axel being, I'll use the word moody. Okay. <laughs> and, so, sure. and so, and so anyway, and I thought, geez, you know, I could walk up to him and he could just turn on me and, you know, maybe. Beat me over the head with a copy of Goodfellas or something. So, you know, <laughs> I'm just to let him have his time, he's with his girlfriend. And he wants to get a uh, video. He's probably trying to get in and out without getting, you know, harassed. Fair enough. That was it.
0: So, ah, fair enough. That was as far
1: as I got with Axel. But yeah, my interaction with him was 10 out of 10 for sure.
0: And now you're doing a, a podcast, you yeah. know, not just about that picture, of course, but it's become a,
1: a, a subject. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I had a more significant interaction with duff okay i'm so so duff one we're on tour and and um he uh uh, there's uh, we're in like i think we're like you know some i don't know somewhere in florida some town in florida we played like 37 towns in florida on the tour probably and so we're there and all this and i'm at soundcheck and and phone if someone says there's a phone call for you and i pick up the phone and he said hey it's duff I said, Hey, Duff, how's it going? He said, Oh, great. He said, he said, I tracked you down. I said, my wife is, works as a travel agent. So I found out where your hotel was, found where you were and what you were doing and and I tracked you down and he said, I just want to say hello. And I said, I'd love to write a song with you. And I wow. said, wow, that'd be cool. That'd be awesome. And I said, you know, so we talked and he was really, you know, very complimentary about the band and he listened to the love junk all the time and he really liked it. And he was super great, like a cool guy, you know, and, and again, I feel like we all listen to the same records. i I probably grew up listening to the exact same records that Duff did, like punk rock records and stuff. And so, right. um, and so I felt like we had some some stuff in common. And so and, and so anyway, so I thought, okay, great. But I can we sort of just left it and was like this is hopefully something we can make happen. He said, Well, I'm in LA and you know, we've made a little money now and so I've got a bunch of gear and you know, you can come down and we can record something. And then, uh, and then another phone call happened and we talked again. And by this time they're getting kind of a lot bigger and it's starting to feel like this is going to be a way harder thing to do than it was when we first talked. And then the next time it was just like this they're gone like they're on the road for the next 200 years and playing, <laughs> right? and it's all so it just never really happened and i kind of kicked myself for not like being a little bit more aggressive like after that first phone call and say you know let's let's set up time i'll i'll, I'll come out to la and
0: it's not i late. just wasn't
1: that guy i wasn't like super aggressive about stuff and so but yeah i wish that happened and the only other well i have two other guns and roaster i'm at no you can keep you can keep me you can uh, you can interrupt me if you want to talk about something else but
0: No I mean it's the Guns N Roses podcast you're a great storyteller I mean yeah. Uh, so blanca and i are your audience right now <laughs> this,
1: this next one's no no big deal it's boring but like uh, I, I had a friend his name was uh, bill kennedy who unfortunately is no longer with us and he was an engineer a big engineer in los angeles he we grew up in edmonton he was from the same town as S. blanca and okay. uh and, and he sort of made his way to toronto and he's doing really well and then he went up to los angeles with uh garth richardson who's another big producer produced rage and uh, rage against machine a bunch of bands and so he was out there working out big studios. And then he calls me out of the blue and he goes, hey, I'm with Slash. He said, we're going out to buy your new record. He found out you had a new album coming out. So he wants to go to Tower Records and buy it. I'm like, cool. I don't know what to say. That sounds awesome. And that's, that's the end of that story. Unfortunately, I don't know anything more about it. No,
0: that's all right. Is that a Slash yeah. t-shirt, by the way, you're wearing? No,
1: this is a, this is a T-Rex. the slider. Oh,
0: oh, oh. oh, okay. So yeah,
1: oh, yeah, another one of my favorite bands, T-Rex, so.
0: It, it does look like Slash from the top hat up, but yeah, yeah exactly. it stood yeah. up, I was like, oh, okay, there you go.
1: So, so Mike Klink. So the Mike Klink story is, yeah. is uh, it's so I told you all these guys wanted to produce our record. And so I was talking, I had a great conversation with Butch Vig. I had a conversation with um, Eddie Kramer and we did, a, we did a track with Eddie Kramer for something unrelated. And we were just, you know, I, all these guys were like on board to, to produce the record. And so Mike said i'll come i'm gonna come out to toronto and 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 see you guys and hang out with you guys so say okay sure so he flew out to toronto like and and so we met him for dinner and drinks and stuff like that and 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 so basically all i really remember about the night is us getting hammered on his dime and all talking saying shut up clink in german accents as though we were on like, uh, um, Hogan's Heroes. And so we were like, all being like, I guess name was, I forget, General, General, somebody was the guy would always say that on the show. It was, like one of the catchphrases on the show. So we just kept saying that and killing ourselves, laughing, just a bunch of assholes. Like, just <laughs> anyway. And so, you know, we had a nice conversation. He was super cool, dude. But, but anyway, we didn't end up using him. And I heard later that he was super pissed off about it because I think he had a different, a different, uh, um, idea about what was going on i think he thought he was coming to toronto and we were going to start talking about doing the record i think he thought he had the gig and so um oh. and so he was just like one of a bunch of people we were considering and and so i already got and, and i don't blame him for being mad it's like you know we were a bunch of weirdos and you know whatever <laughs> so and he ended up flying out to toronto and taking us out for dinner and plying us with booze and then nothing to show for it in the end so
0: <laughs> except, <laughs> except the great story,
1: yeah, yeah, good story for me, probably not for him. I doubt he tells it. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, good point. Yeah. Uh, this is an, another question I'm very curious of because you are in the uh, the Canadian Indies Hall of Fame, right? But, all right, so this was sent in by a Brandon, uh, not the quite the same. Uh, how did a, a TPOH DAT tape get, end up in the exhibit at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame?
1: Um, well, when we were on Chrysalis, like they had, we, like I said, we had a great team. We had a great team. Everybody there was amazing. Great radio people. Like I said, Daniel Glass and Vic Lantini and Greg Thompson, um, Jill Maxick. And, but they had a publicist named Frances Pennington and she was like amazing. And so they, one of the things that their ideas for the, for the band was they were going to get Love Junk released on every possible format. So it was released on vinyl and it was released on, uh, cassette and on CD and on um, eight track, which wasn't even a thing anymore, and and uh, and then on DAT, and there'd never been a record released on DAT, like a commercial release record on DAT before, and so Love Junk is the first commercially released DAT. Wow! One. And so that's how it ended up in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because it's you know it's a unicorn, it's like and why it deserves
0: to be in there? Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. The only reason I even know what. Uh, A dat, uh, uh, Blanca. Do you know? I have no idea. It's like a very small cassette uh, because of college. Uh, We started. I was in broadcast journalism, you know, and you have these little dat tapes. We go in these giant uh, cameras and go into these giant VCRs. After, you know, that's it. That's the only reason why I've never seen them before. I I have like dat tapes. I think of like really shitty, like me trying to be a newscaster. Maybe (laughs) I'm trying to transcribe it
1: um yeah it's a digital audio tape and so it was like a really right. super super high quality cassette so so you know a lot of bands used to mix their records onto dat and then they would press they would they took it and get it mastered off the of dat so it was a very significant kind of um a recording medium for about i'm gonna say 10 years or something and then and then when digital technology came kind of rendered it useless didn't have mm. a lot of
0: yeah yeah there it goes in the uh the audio uh, graveyard yeah um I guess the last question for me, and uh, Blanca, I know, w- w- did you watch the video yesterday the, uh, when I posted it, the Beavis and Butthead video? I did. When you guys were, were on it, uh, I have a little bit of a... <laughs> this is college music. <laughs> yeah. You heard that right. Yeah. All right. I'm just making sure because I'm not usually in a <laughs> studio. I wasn't trying to rub it in, uh, Mo. Uh, what was it like being on, on Beavis and Butthead and you were relatively nice to you.
1: you know? Absolutely. I, I mean, to me that's outstanding. I mean, that's a big, there's a couple of things that happen in our career that are like, you know, those things that you'll forget forever for the rest of your life. And I didn't even know it was happening. <sighs> so, I mean, they, I think we were in Atlanta and we just played a festival and, uh, um, with like, you know, I don't know the Lemonheads and a bunch of bands at the time. And, uh, and, and, uh, And we, and it was on and it was just like, we watched and I was kind of nervous. And then, you know, it was just kind of like, you know, like you said, it sounds like college rock and like well, we kind of are like, (laughs) (laughs) and, you know, it's like, uh, you know, If I wanted to read, I'd read a book, you know, because the video had all these sort of like lyrics on that. Yeah, so it was kind of a semi-groundbreaking video at the time. And so it was just kind of like, yeah, they didn't say – they, you know, they might have said that this sucks kind of like the way they say everything else sucks, but I feel like we got off kind of the best – Best we could have because they didn't really say anything that negative, and then we got all the publicity of being on both *Beavis and Butthead which is you know was at the time was a gigantic show.
0: <laughs> I just love it. Something yeah. else that you have in common with uh, *with Guns N' Roses*. <laughs> Axel is cool. In the <laughs> same, same breath, he goes, "Axel's a puss." I mean, I don't have that <laughs> sound queued up. <laughs> I can't wait until they come back. They exposed, honestly, like bands like yours. They exposed a lot of great music to a lot of people, even though they were. You Know kind of silly about it, of course. Now I can't wait till the show comes back, uh, because they they there's a lot of music that needs to be made fun of. Um, yeah. <laughs> before I guess before we get out of here, because everybody, you know, please follow uh Mo on Twitter at Mo T P O H or it's a T P O H band. Uh, if you're just Googling it because you don't want to come up with the Will Smith movie, uh, <laughs> by the way, anything does that happen with um? Was that like a, did you have like a trademark? Cause it's the pursuit of happiness is kind of like a phrase. Like, how does that work? You know, now you, you Google that. And again, I have to specify band. So I don't see Will Smith.
2: Yeah. yeah I
1: think, I think I, like, I think we, no one else can call their band, the pursuit of happiness, but the phrase is not trademarkable. It's from your, your declaration of independence. Right. So yeah, you can't trademark that. Um, so there's a whole bunch of things that are called the pursuit of happiness, but I don't think you can call a band the pursuit of happiness. I think they okay.
0: have the right to that. Yeah. Cause it was just, just fascinating. It's one of those, uh, those little tidbits. I was just curious about, yeah. uh Blanca, I mean, you, you got your, your voice of your, the background of your, your high school here. Is, is there anything you know, I, ask or, or say to Mo.
2: You know, I, I just thank you for the music for all these years. It's just amazing. I, well thank uh, but you thank you for ask, being here one quick question um yeah. the green room was an amazing book so funny are you going to plan to write another one
1: yeah I mean it, writing that book was like an incredible undertaking like it was yeah I, I don't know if I have enough time left in my life to write <laughs> another book I thought I had thought about it. I was going to write a novel that was a book of short my book writing a book of short stories is a lot easier than writing a novel so um I, I don't have any plans to. Anything could happen. It's like maybe Brandon's put a bug in my ear about maybe doing something more nonfiction. Um, I have a blog on my website that's kind of like where I get all my writing stuff out, like on moberg.ca. And so I write on that infrequently. And if I have something I need to get off my chest, I usually just throw it up on there.
0: Anything else that we should be checking out on the horizon, new projects? Because as we discussed, you're a busy dude.
1: Yeah, well, we yeah we like I said they we the Love Junk got re-released and then uh, Universal's looking at re-releasing a bunch of the rest of the catalog and so a lot some of the other catalog isn't widely available and so they want to make that right and so we're going to do some deluxe editions of hopefully this this isn't solid yet but we'll hopefully do some deluxe editions of some of the rest of the catalog and and just make it available for fans like Bianca who've been with us all these years which we really appreciate.
0: Right. Well, I can't thank you enough for your, your time. You were great. And uh, I hope uh, we get to do this again. And do I say, like, so what are you officially a fan of hockey team-wise? Because this is important.
1: Yeah, us. well, I'm, I, I am a Chicago Blackhawks okay. fan. But my, my biggest, you know, my biggest team in all of sport is the Toronto Raptors. The Toronto Raptors are my okay. number one, you know. Like, I live and breathe those guys, you know, so –
0: Congratulations! Because I was just wondering if you were a Maple Leaf guy, kinda. Because I'm still bitter about, as an Islanders fan, about John Tavares. Yeah, yeah I can get <laughs> but it. I was absolutely pulling for the Raptors in the finals, so I'm glad that you you got you got that championship. You know? Yeah, no kidding. Good for Canada. I mean, you can win a championship in basketball, but not in hockey. What kind of world is this? Yeah, it is a weird world. Right? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um. Oh, this again. This was great, and um, uh we'll we'll talk soon.
1: Yeah, great to great to meet you, Brando, and great talking to you,
0: and great to meet you too, Blanca. To meet
2: you too, Mo. Thank you.
0: Likewise.
1: Keep up the great work on the
0: podcast. Really like it. Oh, by the way, what did you uh, listen to? Uh, I
1: listened I said, to the Penelope Spirits one, which was outstanding. She's obviously a super interesting person. It was great, and uh, I listened to the Chips Enough one because love. <laughs> enough's enough you know we were we we bought the same thing we bought that first record when it first came out and i said, like what is this again so unique just like like appetite was just like nothing like it like you know these are these records are like unicorns i mean that's the thing about appetite is like you know a lot of people like appetite and that's the only thing i like by guns and roses and and but it's like that record is a unicorn like 99 percent of all bands never get there to what they got to on that record it's just the the songs and the and the performances and the time that it came out with that it came out it's just you can't get that that's and so you know i mean it's kind of like nirvana's never mind if i often wonder if kurt cobain had kept playing like would he you know would they have you know eclipse that record or would they never have gotten there again and it's like, i was like i don't know if they ever gotten there again that's a that's the voice of a generation both those records are like songs that defined their time. And you can't blame a band for never being able to do anything as good. I'm not saying that about Guns N' Roses, but I'm just saying that record is, it has its own, it lives in its own bubble. Like there's nothing else like it and it's kind of level of excellence and same thing with Nevermind. And and that first Enough's Enough record is just, that's, you know, that's insane. It's every single track is just so great. So yeah, I had to listen to the Chips Enough version.
0: uh, Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I had uh, also Donnie V on recently oh cool i'll so, check yeah, that, that one out as well then that, i mean thank you for listening yeah i never expect expected i never tell any of my guests i'm like listen to my podcast for you know for just to see what i'm all about i'm like i don't no, know it's I, cool. I, it, I said it it's the same vibe. thing what's that buddy yeah the great
1: vibe the podcast has <laughs> oh, a great thank vibe. you it's not super hype it's just kind of like guys talking about music it's cool
0: yeah and gals but that's why yeah. i it's, it's it's just very funny and i appreciate you listening because uh there are episodes i'll see on youtube and uh, somebody said uh, I, I, I come off overly medicated, which uh, I'm properly medicated. You know, I, I, I see the appropriate doctors, but I, I, I want a relaxed feel. Same thing with Blanca, who's, I don't think it's, uh, you know, out of turn for me to say, you were a little nervous coming yeah. on. You, you first said, no, I don't think so. But I wanted to just, um, no pressure. That's what this is about. Same thing with with Mo, If It's a big time guest. Now, obviously I wanted to get the big time guest, but I'm not. I don't think I'm too pushy. And whatever you're, you're cool to talk about, and you are so open about everything, love it. So you, you guests like you, listeners like Blanca, make my show good. Otherwise, me by my, myself, cool, it wouldn't be much. <laughs> well, Mo, uh, thanks so much, and uh, I'll get this episode out, and we'll tag you and all that fun stuff. Sounds great. Great talking to you. Likewise.
1: You guys Bye. stay safe and take care.
0: You too. Take care. All right. Bye, Bye guys. So that was fun, right? <laughs>
2: I was trying
0: to the fangirl. Holy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always it's like that. So
2: iconic in Canada, you know,
0: like. I, I know. love it. Well, I'm, I'm, <laughs> see, that's how I am. A, a lot of episodes, Blanca. And I want to give you and others the experience that I have. That's that's the point of it. I don't expect anybody to be, you know, like in radio co-host chair like Scotto and I. I don't know if you. Uh, listen to early episodes because I know you're a newer fan of the podcast. It was me and yeah. my buddy, Ian. you know, and that's what you're expected. You're 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 prepared. We both went to school for it, and but that's as long as you have somebody that can steer the ship. And I can think I can kind of steer the ship, kind oh, of. Oh okay. yeah, you steered it really well. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I just want you to have fun. I want other people, uh, you know, other guests to have fun. I did reach out to to Alex, who did suggest Mo to see if he was interested in co hosting. Did not hear back. So, um, you know, uh, the offer is always out there to anybody who helps uh, get a guest, just a guest. I want people to be involved. So, uh, Blanca, before we get out of here, I want to, you know, talk to you a little bit. And there's another soundbite I have uh, queued up for Oh, uh, Phantom Session, right? So this is where we talk about the, uh, the Guns N' Roses fan. And that would be you. So okay. you said something interesting before. I mean, you seemed a little bit sheepish about it, but you don't need to be because you obviously go way back with The Pursuit of Happiness, but you're like, oh, I'm a new Guns N' Roses fan.
2: Yeah, I, I Nothing wrong
0: with that, but tell us yeah. about it.
2: It's being a new Guns N' Roses
0: fan? Yeah, just like, so, like how do you become a new Guns N' Roses fan when, when they are have yeah, been around but, since The Pursuit of Happiness, you know?
2: Uh, I, and and I, I, I knew of Guns N' Roses back then, um, because, of course, they played all the big hits on the radios, you know, Sweet Child of Mine, Paradise City, Welcomes Jungle. But it was never kind of my music. I was um, doing you know, the punk and the new wave and, and all that and alternative. But, I mean, every club you went to when, as you grew up, they played the songs and you danced and you had a great time. But something happened during this whole pandemic where, you know, I'm – I have to work from home, so I'm locked inside all day with just my dogs. Mm -hmm. I don't really have a lot of people to talk to -to face-to-face. Things are kind of going on in my life. And I I heard Sweet Child of Mine. And so then I went on YouTube, and I played Paradise City because I thought, oh, you know, catchy. Axl Rose is kind of – I like his voice right now. And then I went down the rabbit hole you know, when I heard civil war and coma and night train, which I love Mr. Brownstone. And I I don't know, it it just fed something in my soul that was missing. Mm. I don't know how to explain it. it. It just resonated with what was going on in my life. And, and, you know, when Axl Roses is young, you know, "Fuck off!" I, I'd be yelling that in my mind at you know certain people, and it just felt so good. And so now, everything I listen to is like Guns and Roses, ACDC. I mean, it's just it's all metal, and I don't understand it. <laughs> around me don't understand it. It's caused kind of a bit of problems, but it's what I need right now.
0: That's great. So, That's funny. I mean that. I, I love that. I love that story. And I'm glad we, we saved it for radio, a phrase that we learned <laughs> off the air. You know, as I, I, that's, that's what I try to do. Some people like, uh, say, like, oh, you know, I, I alluded to some of the YouTube comments who you may not be familiar with me. You know, he seems unprepared. No, I like to save something for radio. I don't want to like read the book before I start telling you. I, I don't know. It's, I have my, I have my way. You know, Moberg Berg was uh, approved uh, the way I do my interviews. So uh,
2: Moberg was awesome. You were awesome. I, I love the whole format
0: of it it's great like relaxed i i try try to be you know have it relaxed and also uh flow at the same time i don't want to be too relaxed where you know we're just drooling on the microphone and there's dead air (laughs) that's that's another that's another podcast but (laughs) for a a band that you are aware of lyrics that were, were written decades ago to affect you personally in 2020 you know i i think that's I think there are more fans and more people than you realize that will identify with what you're talking about. Cause okay. we're all looking for something. We're all alone. You know, your, your dogs were very well behaved. You know, it's great that you have fur babies. Uh, all my, my three cats are all sleeping right now. Cause I, I gave them all treats. No, I don't No cat walking across the, this interview today, Excellent. <laughs> but I'm lucky, you know, I'm, I'm lucky this, uh, pandemic happened when I was finally in a relationship this could have easily happened when I wasn't so there are a lot of people alone in there uh people who listen turn to podcasts turn to music so uh it's it's good it's it's good I'm I'm glad to hear that I you know I I knew there was something uh special about you I reached out to you to to come on the podcast and and, and take part plus you kind of got the uh the 1987 Axl Rose hair a little bit you know not not (laughs) the teased up but like the nice
2: uh right yeah the nice yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going for. That's what I was going. And you know, all all of my new dad's moves are from Axl Rose. So once this pandemic's over, I'm I can't wait to bust them out. You
0: know, nice. snakey dance. Oh, nice. Okay, <laughs> snakey dance. And I was gonna say I'm gonna share it on social media
2: because
0: uh, okay. I want as a wrap up this episode, I I want to remind people who do just listen to the podcast, the conversation always continues on social media, and that's how exactly Blanca. Became involved in this episode, so follow on uh, Appetite for Distortion on Twitter, uh, the at the AFD Show Appetite for Distortion on Facebook and Instagram, because I'm gonna share because my, my, my fiance is a dance teacher, one of the things that she t- teaches is ballet, so she oh. just sent me a sweet child of mine, in <laughs> in ballet like style, obviously piano, oh, wow. but like meant for ballet and right. So uh, yeah I'll, I'll maybe i'll i'll see what the comments are i haven't posted it yet but again that's just a reminder of all the cool things that you can get on on our social media uh, as far as the next guest there are some cool announcements on the way one is confirmed that i've announced on social media is lisa Bla- uh, lisa maxwell excuse me uh she it was the the head of the uh, the horn section of user illusion that's her oh on God. Yeah, moved to the city. Yeah, so uh, we've had Tracy and Roberta on, but now we're going to get Lisa Maxwell on who, I mean, looking at her resume, she leads an entire orchestra now, but she's done music for like TV shows like Dexter. There's a whole um, uh, Animaniacs movie I grew up watching, speaking of things you grew up watching, listening to, that she did the entire score for. So even without GNR, uh, I think she also did uh, (laughs) a... Oh, my God. What's the the name? Uh, Spinal Tap. She also worked oh, with Spinal wow. Tap. So, I mean, there's a lot to look forward to with Lisa Maxwell. But there's other great guests on the way. So, again, follow on social media. Not just for the announcement, the possibility to take part, just like Blanca did today. So, thank you. I appreciate you getting past, you know, the, the nerves and all that.
2: Well, thank you again for the invitation. I, I had a lot of
0: fun. Excellent, excellent. So, that does it for this episode of Appetite for Distortion. When will you see the next one? In the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, I don't know if you'll if soon is the word, but you'll see it. it! Thanks to the lame-ass security, I'm going home.